0: Chronicling the latest cannabis industry news and headlines. Welcome to the State of Cannabis. Bringing you fact-based news and views and keeping listeners on the pulse of what's happening in the industry today. Advocates and analysts will join us to discuss the ongoing path to reform and legislation. Now, the State of Cannabis. With your host, Dave
1: Inman. Welcome to the State of Cannabis. Keeping you, our listeners, on the pulse of what's happening in cannabis today. I'm your host, Dave With us today, we have J.P. Holyoke, owner of Arizona Natural Selections, a premier medical cannabis dispensary in Arizona, as well as the chairman of the campaign to regulate marijuana like alcohol in Arizona. J.P., welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Dave. I appreciate being on the show with you today. Excellent. You know, we we've obviously in Arizona had quite a bit of turmoil. I would say uh, it it actually harkens somewhat to uh, the I-502 campaign. Uh, before we jump into the uh, the nuts and bolts of that, so to speak, I'd really like for you to share with us uh, with our listeners what your trajectory into cannabis has been. What it's looked like and how you got there.
2: I am an unapologetic conservative Republican that once upon a time was naive enough to be anti-marijuana. I was opposed to it. And it wasn't until I had a, a personal situation with my life that I was, that I saw the light. I was able to open my eyes and educate myself about this and essentially change my position. And that change in my life was about seven years ago when my first daughter was born and she was a special need child. Her name is Reese. She's currently about seven years old. Reese was having between 25 and 35 seizures a day, starting when she was three months old. And naturally, we took her to the best physicians in the state, got the best care for her. They were good people, and they were doing the best job that they could. But we were on the pharmaceutical merry-go-round. We were trying drug after drug, None of them worked to control our seizures. All of them had horrible side effects. And then in 2010, Arizona passed the medical marijuana law. And one of the qualifying conditions was for seizures. So I took a look at this, started doing some of my own homework on this, went back to her physicians, presented the idea to them, and their response was that we had everything to gain and nothing to lose. So I tried to then procure the type of marijuana that would work best for it, and I was unable to do so on my own. So I decided to go into the business so I could do this specifically, and and really only for my own daughter. A business has has become from that initial starting point, and, and now I'm an advocate for the adult use of marijuana as well, simply because we've seen the utter futility and abject failure of prohibition. It's led to a worse society rather than a better society.
1: So after acquiring this, uh, this cannabis or pro- producing this, this uh, uh, strain of cannabis, what has your daughter's seizures been like since? Well, she went from between 25 and 35 seizures a day. She was essentially
2: catatonic on us. She was non-responsive. We spent years with her. We're, we're, she was really non-responsive. We were simply facilitating life rather than, than actually her having any quality of life. After cannabis was introduced to her, her seizures dropped off dramatically. She went from 25 to 35 a day down to maybe one every five or six months now. In that time period, she has gotten out of her wheelchair. She's now walking independently. She's feeding herself independently. She's getting in the stuff, and she's playing much like a typical normal child. Now, she's certainly a special needs child. That that fact is not going to change. But the quality of her life is dramatically different because of marijuana. Marijuana has literally
1: been a miracle drug for her. And it's a miracle for all of us. And, and quite frankly, what you're what you're doing, regulate cannabis in Arizona um, is, is also a boon to us all. And and I got to thank you for for doing what you're doing and putting your, your neck out on the line. Honestly, uh, your path to cannabis, I mean, obviously, you weren't in it all the time. So what uh, what what was your background prior?
2: You know, my background prior is still my background today. I'm a financial advisor by trade. I own a small firm here in Scottsdale called Holyoke Wealth Management, and I manage money for, for individuals. I'm still a financial advisor, but really my passion has become advocating for cannabis simply because of the tremendous impact that it
1: has on people's lives. You know, it's it's important for me and for my listeners. You know, I, I try to to have you know the the hippie side removed. You know, I, I as much as it, it can be fun. You know, I, I I tend to not have the the freak flag flying, so to speak, uh, because in a day to day course we simply can't allow that to enter into our our day to day business because it's just simply not professional. But the fact that professionals now are advocating and their passion is for advocating, it really is a, a shift in the whole. Movement and it's it's a beautiful beautiful thing. So, quick question: Do you think we're going to legalize in Arizona? We are absolutely no
2: question about it. I think you know going back to your your comment regarding the the, the hippie movement, I have no problem with hippies. I think that they're great. You know, some of the best people I know tend to come from from that genre. And, and but when we look at cannabis consumers in Arizona. It's not what you would stereotype as the stoner image. It really isn't. Now, there are certainly that those images are out there. They apply and they apply for a reason. But when you look at most people that consume marijuana, they're regular folks. These are people that have regular jobs, they're professionals, they're doctors, they're lawyers, in many cases they're politicians, and (laughs) and they go about their day on a regular basis and they consume a little bit of marijuana and they choose that instead of alcohol. Now why should they be punished for making that safer choice? It just simply doesn't make any sense. So if marijuana is going to be legalized in Arizona in 2016, it's not because of the, you know, the the stoner hippie image or that culture. It's simply because professionals and adults are recognizing the futility of the war on drugs and they're saying there has to be a better option.
1: You know, there's there's a lot of speculation uh, or a lot of discussion, I should say, flowing around. Uh, obviously, with a presidential cycle going on, you know, social justice reform and and things that really you know uh, resonate for myself. You know, uh, just because these are things that have to happen. You know, we can't incarcerate people at the rate in which we are. At the same note, you know, the 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 one person that is actually championing that uh, probably has a, a very minimal chance of actually getting into office. But social justice reform has to happen. So obviously one of the the most powerful things that we can do to assist with social justice reform is is legalizing cannabis, regulating cannabis. So we have this wonderful platform. How many signatures do you currently have so far?
2: We're currently sitting on about 180,000 signatures. We need just over 150,000 signatures to qualify for the ballot. But there's an invalidity rate there where somebody may believe that they're registered to vote in a particular county. They may have moved. There could be good reasons why somebody thinks that they're registered to vote, but they're not actually registered to vote. So we need to collect a number that's significantly higher than that 150000 threshold. So we are well on our way towards that, and we'll get those signatures turned in, and we will be qualified for the ballot in November.
1: And so we have to have those signatures in by is it June or July in order to qualify. July seventh. July seventh. So three days after July fourth, and uh, our our world can definitively change if we're if we're. You know, if we stay on track, so to speak, it's one of those things. You know, I, we have another show host who uh, who's coined a phrase that I really I, I kind of admire, and it's uh, Russ Belville. He's one of our show hosts. He talks about the stoners against legalization. And honestly, if you if you follow some of the Facebook threads, it's like almost in every single state where there's some kind of a law on the uh, you know that we're trying to get on the ballot, that you know a group of people will come up and say this isn't good enough. Yet they never put into context what we have now and what we'll have if these things should pass. In my mind, it makes no sense that we can't just simply work together for the same common good. You know, I I try not to
2: spend a lot of time focusing on those that detract away from, from what we're trying to do here. But this is ultimately, this is a political process we've had you know nearly a century of cannabis prohibition that's been put in place and, and that that garners a societal acceptance and so to change people's perception of of cannabis prohibition it's going to be done on an incremental basis so i i sympathize and i understand kind of the the free the weed type crowd that's out there that says hey you know what let's let's put marijuana on everybody's backyards and sell it in every grocery store and every circle k and on every other corner i sympathize with that but it's not reality and so we have to live in reality and if we want to accomplish our goals whether it's legalizing cannabis or the social justice side of this thing which is equally important we have to do what we can do not necessarily what we want to do but what is actually feasible that you can run a campaign on and the voters will agree with you and that's what we've put forth to the voters this november is something that the voters can agree on saying hey look Let's stop criminalizing people for the possession and consumption of small amounts of
1: marijuana. It just doesn't make sense. Exactly. You know, we got to take a quick break, JP. When we get back, folks, JP Holyoke, uh, owner of Arizona Natural Selections and the chairman to regulate cannabis in Arizona. We'll be right back with you, folks.
0: Stay tuned for more State of Cannabis. Only on CannabisRadio.com when we return. Tommy Chong Show
1: on Cannabis
0: Radio. You know, about this podcast, what I really want to do from now on is to solve world problems. I feel like my job is to calm everybody down and focus on how we can save this planet. The Tommy Chong Podcast, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome to my world. World. chronicling the latest cannabis industry news and headlines. Welcome back to the State of Cannabis, only on CannabisRadio.com. Once again, here's Dave Inman
1: welcome back to the state of cannabis I'm your host Dave Inman with us today we have JP Holyoke owner of Arizona natural selections and the chairman of the campaign to regulate marijuana like alcohol in Arizona we've had a couple of different uh, topics we uh, we got to dive into your trajectory how you wound up in cannabis to begin with and, and thank you for sharing that story that was absolutely beautiful and you know we, we thank people like you that have the foresight to actually dive into these unknowns and and, and experiment you know when you have no hope. Really, found out that there was hope all along. JP, uh, you know, one of the the things that I hear often is that you know legalization is going to cause more cost to the consumer. And but when you find the good stuff, you know, I mean, it could be four, five hundred dollars an ounce. And some speculation from some of the attorneys that float around in in Arizona and other states, they they speculate that you know we'll we'll wind up having five, six, eight hundred dollar ounces if we allow legalization. I personally, uh, for lack of a better term, call bullshit. But what is your take on it? Where do you think in, in five years from now, after legalization, what do you think the average price per ounce would be in Arizona? You know, It's pure speculation
2: as to what those prices will be, but there is no doubt in my mind that the prices will be lower than they are today. Cannabis is, is an agricultural crop. And when you're growing it on a very small scale like it was done on the black market where people are growing it in their in their basements and their bedrooms, it's not an efficient way to grow cannabis. When you have legalization, now you've got commercial scale production. And so your marginal costs of production come down dramatically. Those cost savings are passed on to the consumer because there is a competitive environment. When we look at the medical marijuana today or the medical marijuana business in Arizona today, it's extremely competitive. Different dispensaries are competing for the same exact customers. So they are bringing those prices down. We have seen a price compression from the time that Arizona's medical marijuana law took effect to today. That trend will absolutely continue under a legalization regulatory model.
1: Now, you know, if you, if you wouldn't mind clarifying also, a lot of people will say, you know, we, we have so few dispensaries and we've limited the amount of retail establishments that it's going to, you know, cause more issues than it should. Again, I, I disagree, but what I would like to ask is how many cultivation licenses would you foresee happening after legalization was implemented?
2: You know, I, I don't know the ultimate answer to that. It's going to be determined by the marketplace. It's certainly feasible that you have some large-scale cultivators that are providing the bulk of the product to the market. But that doesn't mean that the small-scale cultivators can't also be providing a significant product to the marketplace. So it's, it's a supply-demand equation. And as time goes on, this industry is going to become more and more competitive, and growers are going to have to be more competitive in how they grow and their efficiencies so they can deliver a high quality product at a very reasonable, if not low, price.
1: What do you feel is the greatest challenge at this moment to legalization in Arizona?
2: It's simply education. When people think critically about the issue of marijuana legalization, they cannot help but come to one conclusion, and that conclusion is simple. We can tax and regulate marijuana for the benefit of public education and health care, or we can keep it illegal for the enrichment of criminal drug dealers. That's really our only choice because prohibition has been an abject failure. If somebody is completely opposed to marijuana and they say, hey, look, I hate it. I think it's horrible. It's the scourge of the earth. It has no place in this world. I don't have a problem with somebody taking that position. What I do have a problem with, though, is when they say prohibition works because it doesn't. It didn't work with alcohol. It certainly hasn't worked with marijuana. And it's imparted a significant cost to our society. You know, we arrest here in Arizona approximately 14,000 people a year for simple marijuana possession. Now that does not include growing it, selling it, distributing it, or otherwise. That is mere simple possession. And in Arizona, simple possession is defined as anything less than an ounce. So we've got 14,000 people a year in Arizona that are possessing small amounts of marijuana, they're being arrested for that, and they're being charged with felony crimes. Now a felony crime on your record impairs your ability to do just about everything else in life, whether it's renting a, a home or an apartment, you know, student loans, loans of any kind, or your employment. So if you have a felony sitting on your record, You've got a black mark, and you're going to have a difficult time being successful in life. That's atrocious. It's unreasonable. It's, it it's absolutely should be criminal to give somebody a felony for possessing and consuming something that's objectively safer than alcohol, while at the same time, we celebrate and promote alcohol in society. This makes no sense, and it's the height of hypocrisy.
1: It's funny that you mentioned that. I was at I was at the Phoenix Open, like many other Arizonans and people from out of state. You know, it's a big to-do. I was fortunate enough to uh, be at the 16th hole, which apparently is also a big to-do. I'm not much of a golfer myself, but I, I certainly like to go out and socialize. So I'm at the 16th hole, and and I'm watching some of the advert uh, advertisements. And uh, one of them was to make sure that we weren't uh, depositing Uh, liquids in the trash because of how they were composting and things like that, which was great because, you know, waste management wanted to make sure that, you know, when they were, when you were throwing stuff away, it went into the appropriate bin. However, the way that they said it was chug, 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 make sure there's no liquid in your can before you deposit it, basically encouraging people to drink more before they can even throw the item away struck me as as both funny and horrid at the same time, that we would encourage inappropriate behavior to that degree, just simply to ease trash. I mean, it was preposterous in my mind, honestly.
2: I don't have a problem with alcohol. I certainly enjoy a beer or a glass of wine with dinner from time to time. I'm not anti-alcohol, and being anti-alcohol would be foolish because we saw that prohibition of alcohol doesn't work there either. But the idea that we are going to criminalize and felonize people for making a choice that's safer than alcohol while at the same time we promote that alcohol, this just doesn't make sense as a society. And the data shows that you know, the United States on a per capita basis incarcerates more people than any other country in the world. Exactly. That's ridiculous. And, and it starts with the drug war. We have to stop this war on marijuana and make no mistake about it the war on drugs is really a war on marijuana now I'm not going to go down the slippery slope of hey if we legalize marijuana we should legalize other other drugs that are out there that makes absolutely no sense different drugs have different risk profiles and there can and should be different corresponding laws for those drugs I'm not advocating the legalization of any of the other drugs But make no mistake, the war on drugs is the war on marijuana because marijuana is the most commonly consumed illegal substance in this country.
1: Exactly. You know, if if we in Arizona have 14,000 arrests annually for simple possession, you know that it's the lion's share of drug arrests to begin with. And, you know, if, if officers and politicians use incarceration rates as benchmarks Um, obviously they, they want to see more incarceration, you know, especially when we have a private prison system. I mean, there's, there's so many layers to this onion. If we start peeling it back that just simply legalizing simple possession, you know, an ounce or under mitigates immediately. And it's incredibly important that that we actually get as many of these on the books as humanly possible, as fast as possible, as in as many states as possible. And you know, I, I I feel for you know again going back to the the as I like to call them now that Russ has coined it the the stoners against legalization. You know, I I I'm happy that uh, they're passionate, but at the same note, it's not about us individually. It's about our society and what we. Are willing to, you know, say what is tenable and what is not tenable for our society, and incarcerating a person and ruining their life for something as mundane and simple as cannabis is, is unconscionable in my mind. And you know, if we were to ever try and take a step back and say, nope, it's not good enough," so we're not going to vote for it. And at the same note, we have a potential for 14,000 people per year. And probably the next chance we'll have is another presidential cycle. So we have, you know, 36,000 potential people that would wind up incarcerated because people didn't think it was good enough. I, in my mind, I find that unconscionable. Uh, JP, we got to take another quick break. We will be right back with you folks. State of cannabis, JP Holyoke. We'll be right back. Stay
0: tuned for more state of cannabis only on CannabisRadio.com. When we return. For this little guy, it's just too late. What caused the problem? Only Doctor Dabber can maintain the perfect temperature for a smooth-tasting, slower burn. This standard vaporizer lost all of its health benefits, sending it up in smoke. So you're telling me that most vapor pens burn so hot they produce smoke, not vapor? Correct. Keep away from those standard vaporizer pens and turn to Doctor Dabber. Doctor's orders. Less heat, <laughs> more flavor. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at OrangeHillDevelopment.com.
2: Ignite the conversation on some trending topics along the Cannabis Radio social media network. Join our crew of thousands on our Cannabis Radio page on Facebook or at Canna Radio C-A-N-N-A Radio on Twitter.
0: chronicling the latest cannabis industry news and headlines. Welcome back to the State of Cannabis. Only on CannabisRadio.com. Once again, here's Dave Inman.
1: Welcome back to the State of Cannabis I'm your host, Dave Inman. With us today, we have J.P. Holyoke, owner of Arizona Natural Selections, a premier medical cannabis dispensary in our state of Arizona, as well as the chairman of the campaign to regulate marijuana-like alcohol in Arizona. Again, J.P., thank you so much for everything that you're doing. It's incredibly important, obviously, from from both of our standpoints as to what we can make our world look like having these these changes happen. Tell me, we get on the ballot. We pass. We pass. What's the next steps? What, what are the next things that we can do to advocate for change with cannabis? I believe that you need to start locally. Certainly, Arizona is my home,
2: and therefore, I'm doing the work here in Arizona. And, and I think that all of these movements should start locally. So we need to see the replication of what we're doing here in Arizona from state to state to state so that we can end these draconian laws. But all of these movements need to start locally, they should stay locally, and really craft laws that make sense for the people of that state. People that may live in the Northeast have a very different view of, of cannabis and proper regulation of cannabis. than somebody from California or somebody from Arizona or New Mexico so those laws really should be left up to the locals I believe that local control actually gives a better set of laws than something that's pushed down from the top
1: If we were to look at one state to another, you know, I mean, often we have different protocols One, you'll have to do a constitutional amendment here in Arizona. We're fortunate enough to actually have a citizens initiative that we can put forth successfully passed uh, now three citizens initiatives. So, you know, the fact that uh, Arizona has literally passed medical three times assisted and set a framework for California. We enacted the Voter Protection Act to make sure that voters can never, or, you know, the legislature can never come back on our rights as a citizen to put a law in the books if enough of us feel the need and the you know the presence of mind to do so. In my opinion, a melting pot of ideals often happen here in Arizona, and it's overlooked. You know, it's it's definitely overlooked, and and thankfully we're we're getting to a point now where we're we're actually getting traction with our state officials. And a wonderful little story. I'd actually like you to to chime in on it. I was fortunate enough to bear witness in our last session. I know, there's a couple of things that our legislatures were trying to push through, and I got to say, uh, JP, uh, your concerted effort was amazing. Uh, But if you wouldn't mind, uh, you know, share with the listeners uh, what happened. This one was pretty simple. The the state legislature as a whole here in Arizona is very
2: conservative. Uh, I'm also a very conservative person. But when I say that I'm conservative, I mean from a limited government, smaller government perspective. Many of our conservatives here in Arizona simply want big government, but it's their own viewpoint of their own big conservative government. So we had one of our state legislators that introduced a bill in an effort to essentially gut the medical marijuana program. I saw this, didn't like it. So as I'm also the president of the Arizona Dispensary Association. So we started reaching out to patients here in Arizona that particularly patients of that, uh, that were constituents of that particular legislature. And we said, hey, please re- reach out to this legislator Tell him your opinion of his legislation, and let's see if we can't get him to pull it. Well, the response was overwhelming. His office was flooded with phone calls, emails, traditional mail. It was simply overwhelming. He had no idea that there would be so much support for the medical marijuana program and such a backlash to his efforts to gut the program that he pulled the bill he was actually a very responsible legislator in pulling the bill and I say he was responsible because he listened to his constituents certainly he is an ideologue and he had his own ideology and his goal was to to crush the medical marijuana program but when the people spoke back and said no do not do this he listened and he deserves a lot of credit for having listened to his constituents
1: you know absolutely and and we got to give kudos when when we have Legislatures and representatives actually listen to what we have to say and and make their determinations and their next footfall in concert with what we have to say. What I really found was remarkable was how fast it took for that to take place.
2: Well, the bill had been introduced several weeks prior, but it wasn't until we were actually able to put together a concerted effort and then start applying pressure to that legislator. That took us a little bit of time. But from the time that we turned on the pressure to the time that he pulled the bill was about 24 hours. It was awfully quick because the pressure was simply overwhelming and he simply wanted to make it stop.
1: Take heed, everyone. That's the kind of stuff that we have the power to do now and never, ever think that you don't have the power to call your state legislature and say, I don't like this. And always do this. Always, you know, let them know because that's how they make their decisions. So MPP, the Campaign to Regulate Marijuana Like Alcohol in Arizona, what can we do to help?
2: Tell the truth. That's what I tell everybody don't stay in the closet on this. There are tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people here in Arizona that are regular people, they're professionals, they go about their daily life, and they consume marijuana and they don't tell anybody about this. Now, I'm not saying that they need to go out there and wave, a, wave the marijuana flag from the rooftops, but rather tell people hey, look, I support marijuana legalization because I believe that prohibition has been an abject failure. I believe in individual freedoms and individual responsibility. If that is our message, that we don't need big government intruding in our lives to enforce a failed policy of prohibition, and they see that message coming from respectable, clean-cut professionals, it changes minds. So, what we need more than anything is for people to simply tell the truth, stand up, and say, you know what, I support legalization for whatever reason that they do. But we need
1: people to be vocal about that and to essentially come out of the closet. We need the chorus line, folks. That's what we need. You know, JP, we're we're about out of time. Thank you so much for for coming onto the show and uh, imparting your wisdom and and of course, you know, doing what you do. Keep doing it, please. We'll we'll definitely want to get you back on the show before uh, November comes. Get a get an update for the folks in Arizona where we're at so far, with all the nuts and bolts that are occurring with the campaign. Uh, so thank you very much, JP. I appreciate it. You know it. And thank you folks for joining us for this edition of the State of Cannabis. Uh, You can download past episodes of the program by going to CannabisRadio.com or subscribing to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Also, you can follow the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Google+. Don't forget to like and comment. I'm your host, Dave Inman, and we'll talk with you next time.